Welcome back to Horror, Wine, and Crime. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm doing good, doing good. How are you? Good, yeah. It's a pretty decent Monday, I'd have to say. It wasn't, like, a horrible Monday. I, like, woke up and I wasn't, like, exhaustingly tired. Like, I didn't feel like I got hit by a bus this morning, so that was nice. <laughs> I had Monday off, so it was a good Monday for me. I yeah. I get Mondays off. But you work Sundays, so you should get Mondays off every week. <laughs> Yeah, but that's my own doing, not my boss's doing. Right, right. <laughs> Did you get to sleep in at least, or no? I tried to go back to sleep after I got the daughter to school, but... Not really. It's one of those things where people called, and then the school called. She has a 100.1 fever, you need to come and get her. Like, really? <laughs> You're like, <Okay>. of course. <laughs> so, I had to get her. She's been in her room all day. She's not even really sick, but... Aww. Did a lot of deep cleaning of the house today. Looks very nice. Smells very nice. You came over. We had a party pack for dinner. Yeah. Taco Bell. Yo quiero. paid for it, so even better. <laughs> right. <laughs> Can't go wrong with some Taco Bell, you know? Yeah, and after this, um, Lowe's possibly going to introduce me to the Friday movie. Okay, I know it's off topic because this is not that kind of podcast. This is not a comedy one. Anyway. We're kind of funny. We're pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> or at least we think we are. <laughs> um, but she hasn't seen it, and I'm just tired of saying quotes and having her be like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm really bad at that. Even, like, movies I have seen, sometimes I don't remember all the quotes, and then I'm like, wait, maybe that sounds familiar? What is that from? <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to do a little diversity today. and Switch it up. Switch it up. Bring some uh, humor to our minds after, you know, talking about a really tragic story today. Which will be a surprise to me because KK um, did all the work on this one, so I'm going to hear it as you guys hear it. It'll be a reaction. Um, Yeah, I recently went to Saginaw, Michigan for a couple days um, with my mom and sister. I know, very, very random. (laughs) My mom picked it. She had the week off of work, so... She chose Saginaw. Still really not sure why, but, you know, she did. And, I mean, it was it was fun. We were only there for, like, what, two or three days or something like that. And we went to, like, a museum and a planetarium. And we just went to, like, their mall there. It, it was nice for, you know, a few days. Really couldn't spend much longer than that. And the last night, our we got new neighbors in our uh, hotel room next to us. It was insane. There were, there was a baby crying. They were just like slamming their cupboards and it was like 1am. And I was like, you know, I think we've done everything there is to do here. And I really don't want to sleep here another night. So we decided to come home. Oh, at 1 o'clock in the morning? No, 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 no. We like, we just said we wouldn't stay another night. (laughs) It wasn't that bad where we had to leave right that second, but... (laughs) But yeah, so I was like, oh, maybe I'll find, like, a story from Saginaw to do. And we were at this, like, historical museum of the town. Um, Couldn't tell you what it's called. I could look it up, but I don't remember. Um, But it's right in their downtown area. But there was, like, a newspaper article in one of the cases of, like, a murder trial. And so I took a picture of it, and I was like, oh, I'll look that up later to, like, see. And it took place in, like, the 30s or 40s, and... The person's name was Karen. Karen something. Can't remember the last name. But there wasn't, like, any information online about it. But then I... It led me to find this story um, about a young girl named Karen King. Um, 
who also was in Saginaw, and yeah, so it led me to the story. Which, can I say, she told me she was going to do a story. She did not tell me a name. <laughs> so when I logged onto my Google Doc and I saw Karen King, I almost fell out of my chair because I thought that was one of her relatives. Because <laughs> she has an Aunt Karen, and I'm like, oh my god! And then I was like, wait a minute. And then yeah. I started reading it, and I'm like, okay, but... Different, yeah, different King, um... Yeah, my last name's King, if people don't know. But, yeah, my Aunt Karen has a different last name. But that, I would give you a heads up if I chose to do something on my family. And I would probably also get my information from my family and not not find it all on the internet. <laughs> okay, so, as you heard last week, we kind of found some funny stories. Um, we are calling it the less classlessier class. <laughs> oh, it's it's still a tongue twister for us. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Ooh, let's try this again. The less classlesslier crimes. Yes. Or criminals. All of all of the above. All of the above. <laughs> um so just wanted to share a couple. Um this one was two men, they waited in line at a coffee shop to pay their bill. A third cut in front of them. He threw a drink at the clerk, demanded all the money from the till. Temporarily surprised, the man quickly recovered, was recovered and handcuffed the crook. Apparently in his rush, the criminal did not notice that they were police officers in full uniform. Oh my gosh, are you joking? (laughs) So, I mean, if you're going to bum rush someone and like be all pissy... How about it not be the two cops? Probably would be smart, you know, to just not do that. (laughs) Oh, man, oh, man. (laughs) I'm not sure where that one was. Um, So this one was, bring your child to work day, not so devoted dad. Oh, boy. So bring your child to work day is long honored tradition that allows children to see what goes on in the business world. Also, while getting a chance to watch their parents, you know, do their trade. Well, one crook brought his young son along with him on a job, which happened to be robbing a pet shop. He was caught soon after, minus something important. He left his son. Oh. My. God. That has to take the cake. Oops. Like, you left kind of a big piece of information of your identity behind, sir. Meanwhile, the kid's back there laughing, playing with puppies. And oh, my God. Dad just bolted on him. What's your, what's your dad's name, son? Oh my God. So dumb. And then the last one is called Cot Cot. <laughs> so police in Assing, New York, um, they were called to a mini mart where they found Blake Leak, 23, trying to break in. They chased Leek through the streets until both cops took a tumble. <laughs> I love the sound effects. Seizing the opportunity, Leek sought refuge on the grounds of a large building. The building was the Sing Sing Maximum Security Prison, where he was promptly nabbed by the guard. Oh my god. Well, since you're here, you might as well stay. Yeah. <laughs> Worked out for them. <laughs> To capture him. It was kind of a good location for that to happen for them. Oh, my gosh. I can't with these people. Ugh. People, if you're going to commit a crime, really just think it through, you know? Kind of goes hand in hand with today's episode that we're going to talk about, too. People are just real dumb. Oh, my gosh. 
Seriously, like... People don't have good planning skills. Not at all. <laughs> oh my god, I love that. But if you have a funny story that you know and like to share, let us know. Yes, oh my gosh, send it to us. We freaking love these. <laughs> um, But yeah, so I guess we'll get into it. What are we drinking today, uh, Lo? Um, we are drinking 19 Crimes, a Kelly Rose by Snoop Dogg. We're going to drink up. Cheers to Dax Shepard. Clink. I don't have my... To that one day that he will listen. And he will. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. Rosé, better than, um, last week's, the Jingle Jingle Mingle one. That was a little more on the bitter side, like, quite a bit. This is much uh, smoother going down, I would say. Good job, Snoop, for being smooth. Exactly. (laughs) He dropped it like a top. (laughs) Honestly, Snoop Dogg has to make wine smooth, you know what I mean? Can't can't do it bitter. Except I will say the the last one we had of Snoop Dogg's, the Kelly Red, that was a little on the bitter side, but it's red, so kind of can't fault him for that. How has Martha Stewart taste in it? Oh my god, that would be iconic. <laughs> Martha Stewart does all his wine tasting before he puts it out. <laughs> Alright, so let's get into uh, Karen King. So she was born on April 4th, 1978 in Saginaw, Michigan. Um, she lived until the age of 18 years old, so she died on January 3rd in 1997. Karen Ann King was born to Greg M. and Linda L. King and lived in Saginaw, Michigan her entire 18 years of life. Um, in an article that appeared in the Detroit Free Press on Tuesday, January 7th, 1997, she was described by friends, neighbors, and teachers just as a sweetheart, who was, you know, she was a quiet girl, but an excellent student and a fine citizen. A friend of hers described Karen as a very ambitious to be active in campus activities. Um, She was a popular student in high school and a member of the pom-pom squad. So she was very, uh, seemed to be like active and participated a lot in her community. Karen graduated Saginaw Arthur Hill High School in 1996 and was a Michigan State freshman uh, at the time of her death. So kind of jumping to the day of her death, Karen was tragically murdered by 15-year-old Shatire T. Williams and his cousin, 25-year-old August Williams, on January 3rd, 1997. So like I said, she was a Michigan State uh, University freshman, and she was actually at home in Saginaw, at the time um, on Christmas break when she went to the Genesee Meat Market at West Genesee and North Bond in Saginaw. Um, She was just going there to grab some food for dinner, you know, very typical to go to the market. So this night at approximately 6.30 p.m., she took the family's 1991 Chevrolet Blazer to a local grocery store. As she left the store, she was approached by two men who had been standing near a pay telephone. The taller of the two men grabbed Karen as she was getting into the blazer. A struggle, you know, kind of ensued and Karen ultimately was thrown into the blazer and abducted by them. So these events also were witnessed by a passerby, um, just person by the store who, I don't know why, but they did not immediately call the police. 
Um, the witness did tell his mother what he had seen and then she reported the incident. I don't know. It didn't say how old the witness was. So maybe it was like a, a teenager or a kid and they didn't really know like, oh, should I call the police right now or whatever? I thought, thought that was weird that they didn't immediately report it. Yeah, but if they had a store by themselves, they have to be at least 16. Right. Yeah, true. So you would think they would at least go inside and be like, hey, there's something weird happening out here. You know, does someone want to go check it out or mm-hmm. just bring it to a tent? You know, I don't know. Yeah, especially if they saw, like, a struggle between them. It clearly was not, like, her and her friends just, like, getting in a car together. Like, she was clearly being abducted. So, yeah, I don't understand really why the delay happened. So, obviously, his mom, when he heard about it, or she, I'm sorry, they didn't clarify. Um, but they co- they called the police right away after. So, Shatire and his 25-year-old cousin, August Williams, they forced Karen into her white Chevrolet blazer and blindfolded and stabbed, then raped her. The two cousins then decided to, quote, show off Karen to their friends at the new Amador Apartments in Saginaw. Um, They showed friend Noelle, the victim, Karen cowering in the backseat of the blazer. Um, They also showed Noelle uh, some kind of cap gun or something, as they called it. And August told Noelle that he was going to do this bitch. And he then gave Noel $20 out of Karen's purse. Really? I'm like, $20? Like, I don't know. They drove her to this party to, like, just show her off and, like, be complete horrible human beings about the situation. And look who we kidnapped. Right. Literally. So Karen's body was found the following day on Elucid near a car salvage yard. Um, A girl named Tina Gray... She testified that on January 3rd, 1997, between 7 and 9 o'clock, she was driving past Elucid Street, uh, the road where Karen's body was found, and she witnessed two men standing near a white blazer. One of the men was holding a woman who did not appear to be embracing the man, um, and a few moments later, the blazer sped by. Gray identified August and Shatire as the occupants of the blazer. So, you know, ding, ding, ding. Clearly she, yeah... She caught them. So after the incident on Elucid Street, August and Shatire went to the home of Sanja Armstrong. And Armstrong testified that they had a CD player and car phone that were later identified as matching the description of items Karen had in her possession prior to the abduction. August's cousin Kelly Barber testified that he gave her rings that Karen's father later identified as hers. And another cousin, Shivani Williams, testified that August had a flare gun that was taped together. Dude, how long did he drive around with her and how many people did he show to her? Right. Like, well, I guess, so the, the, uh, at the apartments, it was like a party going on. Oh, so they're all in one spot. Yeah, and I guess these people, um, so like his cousin that um, had the CD player and the car phone and the rings, they didn't know at the time that those were her things and they didn't know about her um, at that point because these people weren't at the party. But later they found out that those items belonged to Karen, which their cousins ratted them out. They're like, um, yeah, he had this and he had that. We're not going to be involved in this. Not only that, you're doing this horrific crime. You've now got kidnap, rape, murder, and you're passing all her shit around like it's, you know, free for all, you know, 
Christmas and all of it is going to be stolen or <sighs> freaking idiots. Yeah. It, it's like world's dumbest criminal type type thing. Um, so August admitted to snapping her neck and told Williams I had to take her out because she's seen my face. Uh, the defendant further stated, man, I had sex with her. So they had no shame. You know, they're just like, oh, she knows what I look like. So we're definitely going to kill her. Even though, you know, we showed her to like multiple people and have all of her things makes no sense to me. So Karen's body was discovered on the 4th of January. She had been beaten, raped, stabbed, and ultimately strangled. The blazer was recovered the same day at the scene. Officers recovered several of the victim's identification and credit cards, as well as a flare gun matching the one in August and Shatire's possession. When August was arrested several days later, he had the victim's pager in his possession as well. And a search of the blazer revealed traces of the victim's blood and a semen stain was matched to August and the victim through DNA testing. So they were caught, caught, you know, like there's no getting out of this. Like you really have no defense, my dudes, like. And I feel like they set themselves up from failure from the very beginning. Oh, absolutely. Like they had no plan. It's like, I feel like they just winged this whole thing. They didn't even go into it with a plan. They were just like, oh yeah, let's try this. Okay, we're going to do this now. We're going to show them, we're going to show all our friends her and we're going to do this and this. And there was no steps at all, which actually... I mean, it's better because I'm glad they got caught faster than if they did have a plan. But, you know, just really stupid on their part. Yeah. <laughs> so, juries in 1997 found Williams and 25-year-old cousin August Williams guilty of felony murder, conspiracy to commit first-degree premeditated murder, kidnapping, armed robbery, first-degree criminal sexual conduct, carjacking and felony firearms so pretty much all the things you can freaking get they they got <laughs> which is good because obviously they did all those things um in november of 1997 then saginaw county circuit judge leopold borello sentenced each of the williams to life in prison without the possibility of parole now on october 29th 2021 so we're all the way up to last year which really, it's not even been a year, it's just been a few months ago, Shatire Williams is up for resentencing in the murder case of Karen King. So he was like all shackled and sitting up on the witness stand, and I found a lot of information about what he explains went down that day, and, you know, what he says and why they're kind of going for a different parole sentencing, no life in prison type of thing. Um, which... I mean, I'll get more into my thoughts on that, but I really don't think that he should, uh, he should get released earlier or have a lesser sentence because what they did was just vile. He should get more sentences just for being stupid. Yeah, exactly. Um. Can you charge people for being stupid? Honestly, they should. <laughs> so while in his retrial, he was said to spoke slowly and deliberately, softly but resonantly, um, he paused to consider each question that was posed to him. Often he would look with, like, they said a thousand-yard stare across the courtroom as he detailed his role in the kidnapping, rape, and murder of the 18-year-old woman, which was nearly a quarter century ago. So I guess I, I get, like, 
having to think about what you're going to say, but also it makes it seem like you're like thinking about how you're going to phrase the question for it to be to the best of your, for the best outcome for him. So he's 40 now. Um, He's been in prison since he was 16 for his role in this like horrible killing. Um, When the crime occurred, he was 15 and eight months old. So he pretty much went into prison, you know, right away afterwards, not surprisingly. He says, I wish every day that I could give her my life because she didn't deserve it, William said from the stand. I put her through hell. Sentenced to effectively die in prison, Williams has spent more time behind bars than he ever spent free. Now he has the chance to one day walk behind the prison walls if a judge grants him a new sentence. And Williams testified in his resentencing hearing before Saginaw County Circuit Judge Manvel Trice III on the morning of October 29th, 2021. Um, And the hearing began on Thursday. So in 1997, the juries found Williams and August guilty of felony murder, conspiracy to commit first degree premeditated murder, kidnapping, armed robbery, first degree criminal sexual conduct, carjacking, 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 (laughs) and felony firearm. Then Saginaw County Judge Leopold Borello sentenced each of them to life in prison without possibility of parole. Williams' resentencing is due to the U.S. Supreme Court in 2012 ruling in Miller v. Alabama that mandatory life sentences for those 17 and younger is a form of cruel and unusual punishment and thus unconstitutional, which I do have to say this kind of ties back to if you didn't listen to our Maddie Clifton episode, that was the reason that um, the kid Josh is getting resentenced as well because of this rule, this Supreme Court ruling that changed um, that has to do with like life without parole in prison and all that. So in 2014, then-Michigan Governor Rick Snyder gave judges the discretion to sentence teen killers to life in prison or 25 to more than 60 years in prison to comply with the Supreme Court decision. Um, So then in a 6-3 to decision in 2016, the nation's highest court ruled its 2012 decision um, applied retroactively. Wearing blue prison issue apparel and seated beside a Michigan Department of Corrections officer, Williams began by answering Michigan State Assistant um, Defender Sophia Nelson's questions about his upbringing and childhood. So while he came from a two-parent household, his mother and father worked frequently, and he was often led in the care of his older siblings, he said. He said he saw his father drink alcohol daily, pass out from intoxication, and be abusive towards his mother. Um, The discipline for the misbehavior came in different forms. He says, being hit with hands, being hit with extension cords. In my younger days, I was getting whooped pretty much, being hit with hangers. As a child, Williams' family moved to a predominantly white neighborhood, and afterwards he was called racial slurs and subject to physical assaults, he said. His oldest sibling, a brother 11 or 12 years old, his senior, was... William's hero and father figure, as he says. Um, And when his brother moved out of state, Williams was kind of just left like angry, hurt, and confused. So basically he's saying all of this like as a defense to, you know, a backstory of like why he is the way he is, Um, which he, he does say more, but I will say that's horrible that he went through 
all of these things. And, you know, I feel terrible that he had to go through that. But that doesn't excuse the fact that you can go and murder and rape and steal and all of that. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't, like, make it okay. Yeah, you can be sad for the little boy in him. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, 100%, like, dude, you gotta learn from it, not because of it. Exactly, yeah. Um, Yeah, he says he began drinking when he was eight or nine. By age 11 or 12, he was drinking alcohol and using marijuana daily. Around that age, he also began attending parties where alcohol and drugs were consumed and sexual activity occurred. Um, He was encouraged to and did participate in such activities. So, I mean, that's, yeah, that's rough to hear. Because it's like eight or nine. Like I was freaking collecting bugs in my backyard when I was eight or nine. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I just exposed myself. But <laughs> no, we've all been there. But yeah, no, I get it. Like I look at my daughter. She's thirteen, and can you picture her doing like this no, like, no, yeah. Like if Charlotte just walked through the door drunk and stoned. Yeah, like, I would be like, whoa, girl, <laughs> that's a lot. Which is crazy when you hear like yeah, how young he started. Um, so in the mid-1990s, um, August Williams was paroled from prison and returned to his family's Saginaw neighborhood. Nelson asked Shatire Williams how he viewed his older cousin. He says, I would say, first and foremost, I thought of him as a brother. I looked at him as filling the void of my older brother leaving. The excitement of being around him, he was known to have a certain toughness. If one of us had a problem, he would be there, Johnny on the spot. You know, in his youth... Shatire believed in family over everything, in relatives, always having each other's backs, he said. So he kind of goes over, like, the day of the murder, and he gives, like, where he was at and, like, his headspace and what they did and all of that. So Williams began saying that on January 3rd, 1997, um, he was at home, he was suspended from school, and both of his parents were at work. Around 3 or 4 p.m. August, his cousin came over. Um, He had a flare gun in his possession, and the two just drank and smoked pot. They began talking about doing something unlawful to obtain money. They ended up going to the Genesee Meat Market at 1115 West Genesee Avenue, um, intending to get something to eat, he said. Which that kind of raise some red flags because they already he already said they were thinking about doing something unlawful to get money but then he says they went there to get food so I don't know if he's kind of backpedaling because I don't know you already said you were planning on doing something so just weird that so happens you actually did do something when you got there posting up by a pair of payphones outside the market they noticed a white Chevrolet blazer pull into the parking lot William said um Karen King, the Michigan State University freshman, she he said that she saw her exit the blazer, briefly enter the business, and then come back outside to, like, obviously go back to her car. When she opened the door, I run over there to her, Williams said. I'm telling her, give me the keys, move out. My co-defendant, which is also my cousin, so August, he said he saw him. I'm trying to get the keys in. He came over there and then grabbed her and pushed her in the vehicle. I jumped into the driver's seat and cranked up the car and pulled out the parking lot. Shatire said he drove the blazer to the house of a friend of August Williams. 
His cousin went inside to the residence for a few minutes, leaving Shatire in the vehicle uh, with the flare gun to kind of guard Karen, he said. Um, so the attorney, Nelson, asked Williams why he didn't take the chance to flee. And he said, I don't know to this day, he said. What gets me is kind of the fact that he's somewhat, he's not saying it, but he's kind of placing the blame on August. Because he's saying, I just told her to give me the keys. And then he ran over and pushed her in the car and then told me to like guard her with the flare gun and all that. So I'm like, okay, I mean, you're talking about family loyalty, but you're kind of saying, well, it was kind of more so him instead of me. But you didn't tell him to stop and then it's a bad idea. Yeah, exactly. Leave her alone. That's the difference. You didn't talk him out of doing something stupid. You're right. Eventually, August and his friend came to the vehicle. When they did, Shatire told them he would kill this, um, and then it says expletive, which I'm guessing he probably said, like, bitch or something. I don't know. But uh, something he now says he feels horrible about what he said. Okay, you did it, though, so you didn't feel that horrible about just saying it. I That kind of bothered me. August got in the vehicle's back seat with King and told his cousin to drive. As I'm driving, I hear her screaming, saying, no, stop. Um, Shatire says, adding that Karen kicked him in the back of his head as she struggled. Um, And as he frequently did during his testimony, he paused to slowly shake his head and gather his thoughts. When I looked back there, she wasn't moving or nothing like that, he said. Williams drove the blazer to an east side junkyard as August Williams began pulling King's body from the vehicle. Shatire Williams noticed that Karen was nude from the waist down, he said. In my mind, I'm thinking she's not moving or saying anything, he testified. I'm thinking she's for sure dead. Nausea, my stomach turning in knots. I get out, things running through my head. I ended up stopping and throwing up. Asking point blank if he raped or killed King, Williams said no, but said he participated in carjacking and terrorizing her. Do you bear responsibility for her sexual assault and her death? Nelson asked. Yeah, Williams said. So at least he is saying yes. He like puts blame on himself. But also like, how do you not know that she was being raped and like being killed like you were right in front of them you know what I mean he said oh I just turned around and she was just dead and had no pants on like no way you freaking know you know what happened like you can't sit there and say oh I just turned around and she was just dead and had no pants on like weird she threw him out the window on the drive we don't know why right right <laughs> she took him off herself and just got rid of him you know makes sense <laughs> yeah I I don't get that kind of bothered me that he was just again kind of like trying to shift the blame off of him. I'm sure, obviously, because this is his, like, resentencing trial, so he wants to get lesser of a sentence, but it just doesn't add up in my mind. <laughs> and the fact that one of the friends, like I had said in the beginning, said that, I can't remember if, the, if it was Shatire or um, August, but they said, I'm gonna do her, and I'm gonna kill her because she saw my face. So obviously he heard... I'm gonna do all the things. Yeah, so... That doesn't add up, buddy. They all talk too much. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. Um, Looking back on Karen King's murder, how do you feel about it today? Nelson asked. It was a horrible thing. I hate that it happened. 
I wish every day that I could give her my life because she didn't deserve it. She didn't deserve the fate me and my co-defendant gave her. I, I man, I just, I man, under the circumstances, I'm sorry she even had to endure what me and him did. It took, I took so much from her. Not a day hasn't went by that I don't think about her. Um, Nelson asked him what he wished he would have done differently. He says, I wish I would have helped her, but I truly wish I wasn't even there. I wish I had no part of this. Unfortunately, I was there and I wish I could have saved her. I wish I could have stopped, put an end to all of this. Nelson asked if Chatoyer understood why Karen King's family and members of the community, you know, don't believe that he deserves a second chance. He said, yes, I understand. I understand why. We did something that was horrible, horrific, egregious, the suffering and pain. It's not going away. The wounds not going to be healed properly. Shatire, what do you feel you put Miss King through? He says, I put her through hell. She went through mental anguish that I can't even explain. The possibilities that life offers, finding love, having kids, growing old. Only if I could have did something, but I didn't. I didn't do nothing. I chose the coward's way in so many words by not doing anything and letting this happen to her. That all, I don't know. It's like he says letting this happen to her as if he wasn't a part of it. He was part of it. I don't know. Um, overcame with emotion, Williams bowed his head. Judge Trice called for a brief recess to allow um, Williams to compose himself. And once the hearing resumed, Nelson asked Williams what harm he caused King's family. First, I would say to the King family, I stole a lot from them. I stole their happiness, their joy, their sunshine, and a lot of their souls. I know Mrs. King, the pain she's feeling is unbearable. His attorney then asked how William currently feels about his cousin August. And he says, my faith teaches me to forgive so I don't hate him or dislike him or anything of that nature. I just got to allow him to deal with God in a sense. Stronger woman than me. Well, that was him talking about his cousin. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought that was... Her mom? Yeah. I thought he, she was rebuttaling. Yeah, I, I that would be that would be very strong if she said that, because I would definitely not, uh, not be but on that page. A lot of people do when you hear these. Yeah. They say, I forgive you, I have to forgive you. Bitch, no, no, you don't. Right, <laughs> I, yeah. I would not. I could not. I, yeah, and I wouldn't even want to say to them that I forgive you because then it, like, gives them a sense of, oh, I can get some of this guilt off my shoulders. It's like, no, you should live with the guilt because you did a horrible thing. I think when people say that it's so they can kind of get closure for themselves or, you know, right. a lot of maybe with people with strong faith, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, that makes sense. They just want to move on as best as they can. So that, if that helps them, then I understand. But yeah, me personally, I don't know that it would help me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they asked him if he still respected or admired August, like he said, and he said no, farm from it. Um, while in prison, Shatire earned his GED, completed several cognitive and substance abuse programs, and participated in vocational classes. He has also maintained employment and worked at several jobs in prison. If released, Shatoyer said he would like to live with his mother, get a job, and contribute to his community. Um, so Nelson asked him, why is having a second chance important to you? 
And he said, I owe the world, I owe humanity, and I think from that standpoint, I already did a disservice to the world, making a poor decision, a horrible decision, horrible judgment call that got us here. I feel that I got something to add to humanity in moving forward. I feel like I deserve a second chance or just an opportunity. So cross-examined by Saginaw County um, prosecutor Paul White, Williams said he joined a gang as a preteen while August was in prison. Um, So in that capacity, he sold marijuana and cocaine, he said. Um, And as a youth, he was not in direct contact with August while August was imprisoned. And he asked why he had been suspended from school prior to King's death, like on that day. And Williams said that he was caught with marijuana, tobacco, and a knife on him um, while he was at school. Legit? Yeah. (laughs) You know, pretty good reason to get suspended. (laughs) Um, Williams said he did not feel that his older cousin manipulated him into smoking weed or drinking booze on that night. Um, Though August William testified from prison that he did um, manipulate Shatire. So I don't know if Shatire is still kind of covering for him in that way, but I don't know. So at his his defense testimony, um, Shatire was kind of like examined by Dr. Carol Holden, who was a forensic psychologist and teacher. So criminal defendants who assert an insanity or mental illness defense are evaluated at the center to see if they are competent for court proceedings. So he kind of wanted to go with that route saying, you know, he just wasn't mentally um, aware enough, I guess, to be held fully responsible for things that he's done. Um, Holden said that she evaluated Shatire earlier in the year interviewing him for nearly three hours. She also reviewed documentation on his background and she said my bottom line conclusion was that Mr. Williams is not somebody who's incapable of rehabilitation or irreparably corrupt. As such she felt a prison term of a set number of years rather than life without parole is appropriate for Williams she said. Adolescents in general are impulsive, susceptible to peer pressure, and unlikely to halt a risky behavior once they've begun it. He was always a big kid, and teachers commented that he tried to act tough, but was really a follower, Holden said. Which, I understand they they have to look at it psychologically, but even in, like, past cases that we've done, I feel like they can really manipulate the people who are interviewing them to make it seem like they're not, you know, mentally, um, I don't know how to put it, like, mentally... Capable of of doing that and like that they would be better served to learn classes and rehabilitation and like mental things instead of just life in prison. And I feel like it could go either way and it's so hard to say, but it's just the, to the degree of what this murder was, it just seems like he should continue on with his like life in prison without parole. 100%. Yeah, because it's just too gruesome, and it's not like, you know, it's not like, oh, well, it was kind of an accident in a way. You know, it's just very, it was very deliberate. They planned on going to steal money. They took $20 from the girl, and they raped her, murdered her, and stole her things. And then showed her off at a party. Right, exactly. It's disgusting, and I... Hey, look what I did. They did bragging rights on it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I understand he was an adolescent, but he wasn't like 11 he was 15 and 
I just feel like you have the capability of knowing that that's not a good thing to do. Judge Trice originally planned to hand down Shatire Williams' sentence on January 10th, uh, which of 2022, but said that hearing will happen later due to attorneys requesting transcripts of the proceedings. So we don't really have a resolution for like his situation yet. Um, that has not happened. I'm hoping, you know, for the sake of Karen's family that he does not have a reduced sentence um, and he just, you know, stays in prison for life without parole. Because, yeah, like we said, it was just too too much of a heinous crime to really just lessen it, you know? It was just too, too gruesome. So, this story made me sad because it's just, like, a girl walking to the store. Like, I... Uh, you go to the store all the time by yourself. I go to the store all the time by myself. You know, she was home for Christmas break, visiting her family. She was, like, really involved in her community. She was doing great at Michigan State. Like, you know, she had a really promising, bright future. And they just took it away because... Because what? They, Stupidity. Yeah, exactly. For a night of fun for them, which is horrifying. So just be careful. I mean... Guys, too, girls and guys, both get, you know, taken or hurt by people, in, specifically in parking lots. I feel like that's a lot that happens, but just be careful when you're out there, you know, keep your eyes open and just really be aware of your surroundings because you never know who's, what crazy person is out there. Stay alert. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, that is going to wrap up this week's episode thank you guys for listening and yeah if you have a story local to your area that you would like to um, have us have us cover or you want to input anything on it um, just send us an email horror wine and crime at gmail.com or you know any of our socials you know where to find us yes um so we will see you guys next week all right we got to go bye stay creepy